Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between. You're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Moss-Batman, and happy Halloween, those of you that are in America and celebrating with me. You know, I have to admit that I'm not a big Halloween person. Um, of course, I did all the growing up with dressing up and all that things. But, you know, sometimes it got a little too spooky for me, but boy, people love it. I understand it. I appreciate it. But... Today, I'm going to get into the mood with the rest of you because it seems to be a big thing nowadays. Well, my life is going back to normal. I talked about it last week on air, how it's just been a whirlwind of activities between theater and book drops and different things that are going on out there. And the last one I did was the Rebel Road documentary that I participated with with Simran Singh a couple of weeks ago. And it's now up on YouTube channel. <laughs> that YouTube. I have a, a love-hate relationship with that thing anyway. It's a three-part series that they have. And uh, needless to say, it's very real. It's very raw. And it's extremely authentic into that look and event that happened last year at the Oak Creek Temple in Wisconsin. If some of you may know, know there were good friends of mine, and we put some real truth behind the panel that I put together and that we put together to talk about the events that are going on in the world, not only at the temple, but the shootings that are going on, and, and how in the world are we going to keep pushing to get that resolved at some place. So you can find that on my Facebook page, Julia Moss Backman. And you can obviously find it on Change Already with Jillian at Blog Talk and iTunes and on my website, Jillian Moss Aspen, to really listen to the podcast and see that Rebel Road documentary. And guess what? I'm heading back out on the road. Thank goodness. I know a lot of you have been looking for my smiling face out there. I'll be at the Deer Path in, in Lake Forest, as usual, on November 20th and 21st. All right, enough of that. You can find it at Imagine Publicity. But I want to go on to talk about my guest and what we're going to talk about today because I am excited about talking Halloween and all the spooky stuff that means to it. I love it because it's a holiday that we can let our devilish sides out of ourselves to play. At least one day we can let go of those preconceived ideas of what we think we need to be and satisfy that inner child in ourselves that maybe wants to pretend to be something whimsical or silly or on a darker side, a mummy, or maybe an evil villain. 
And this is something our guest seems to know a lot about. His name is Mort Castle. I'm sure many of you have heard about him. I love it when I go to Google on somebody. You can find all this great information because they've just been sharing their gift for so long. He's an award-winning author in the horror story genre. i say that three times. And he's in the research area. And from what I can take, he's a fabulous storyteller with that spooky imagination that I don't have that I kind of admire in other people. He's a writing teacher at Columbia University in Chicago. He's the author of seven novels, four fiction collections, and over 500 short stories. He's on air with me today because I want to discuss his latest book project, which is called The All-American Fur of the 21st Century, First Decade, 2000 to 2010, through Wicker Park Press, where he serves as the editor that compiles a bunch of these really best horror story fictions that have been published in magazines, anthropologies, and websites spanning for that year, 2000-2010. Welcome, Mort. And I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for asking me. I'm so excited about this book. I have to tell you something you probably don't know. I was at the BEA convention repping my own book with Wicker Park Press last year, 2012, and your poster was right next to me. I'm afraid... For me, your poster and book was getting more <laughs> more excitement, and it wasn't even out yet than my book. <laughs> I'm not jealous or anything, Mort. I'm not jealous. I'm just saying you had a better poster than I did. Well, I'll tell you, I love the cover art for this book, and there is not a person who's seen it who hasn't said that is very wonderfully disturbing. It is not an image you forget real soon. It looks like a weather vane on some very bad drug. <laughs> it really does, and it does capture the imagination. Tell me what's on the inside of this book that makes it so spectacular. I mean, the reviews are really good, and P.S., it dropped in bookstores today. It's not out in mass, but you can get it today. So tell me That's what's correct. inside that. What's inside this is a look as the peculiar landscape that is American horror in our modern times. Uh, myself, I've always believed that the best horror is typically in the short story because you can sustain a sense of dread or a sense of shock for 20 or 30 pages. It's terribly hard to do even for the masters at full novel length. So this book gives you 30, 30 visions of a very dark and dire America. <laughs> Is that something good, Mark? I know people <laughs> love it. Um, and it comes from, it's mostly short stories, correct, from magazines? It's all short stories. Yes, it's okay. short stories that have appeared in magazines, in books, on websites. Um, so happy that so many of these do come from magazines or websites because Ordinarily, once they're gone, they're gone. But a book says permanence. A book says I'm going to be on your shelf with the spine sticking out. A book says, oh, yeah, I've read that book, and now I'm going to give it to my grandkids, and they can read that book. So yeah, we're going to keep this chunk of the century alive in horror. <laughs> well, I, it looks like it's going to be spectacular. From what I've read, it's a one-of-a-kind one collection in a book like this. So has it never been done before? 
there have been many wonderful anthologies collecting horror, and some of them even on themes. But there has never been a modern, strictly American in focus. We don't have any British ghosts clanking around in sheets with chains. We don't have any long-lost curses of the primrose path. What we've got here is, oh, a look at genuine American psychopaths. We've got here the wonderful <laughs> school's uh, event called Show and Tell, in which a kid shows some pretty awful things. We've got here a memoir of the early days of television, which affected oh, virtually every writer in this book. We were all around for uh, the pioneering days, and that left its imprint. We've got we've got darn near everything that we could recognize as peculiarly American, both theme and style-wise. And to that, uh, to that theme, when I take a look at the writers included, Weston Oaks is just back from his uh, tour of duty in Afghanistan. I'd say he was off doing something American. Um, we have in this book a story called The Dude Who Collected Lovecraft, by Tim <laughs> Pratt and Nick Mamadis. And Lovecraft, an homage to Lovecraft, that is as American as you can get. He you was our boy it. all the way. He brought in the ancient monsters and made them live in New England. Oh, my gosh. And you keep touching on something that's uniquely American. What I was yes. gathering from this book, that's the whole theme throughout the book. They're only American authors. Some are rising in, right at, you know, you know, they're being noticed. And other ones are already well-established. Jeff Jacobson, Jeff Everson, Andy Duncan, these are all in the book. The question I have for you is, how, now you edited this book. How mm -hmm. did you get involved in this project? Oh, this is one of the great stories of how publishing really works. <laughs> uh, Eric and I were together at my cousin's Passover celebration. Oh, and here we are, uh, breaking unleavened bread. And I say, Eric, I've got an idea for a book. He says, let's hear it. I gave him the idea. He said, let's do it. It was really difficult. Yeah, how long have you guys been working on this project? I know two years because I saw it last year. How long has it taken to put all this together? From con concept to publication, uh, we began in '09. Wow. And then I spent much of 10 reading for this book. I have 30 stories here. The book could have been equal quality with another 15 stories, but we just ran out of space. Um, there are many people writing extremely well. Of course, many people who sent me stuff uh, weren't quite sure what I was after when I said American, and even though they had quality material, it wasn't the theme that we were after, and this is very much a red, white, and blue book, okay? It sounds like that, and one of the quotes that I uh, found that you said, it's, and it goes to that same theme, it's American horror, not just about setting, it's about sensibility. I reference work for authors in the dark genre. Elaborate. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, sensibility is, oh, at the one hand, we've got this great American individualism. You know, we are all somehow directly descended from Daniel Boone, who said, I'm going to go out and do it myself. <laughs> yeah. That, that the loner, the man who is not the man of the crowd, is very much a theme here. Uh, I take a look at a story like uh, F. Paul Wilson's story of a night dive. It's a guy who doesn't want to go scuba diving with anyone else. Where he goes, he has to go alone. And that is Daniel Boone cutting through the wilderness all over again. Uh, sensibility is the man of action. Let's get it done, and let's get it done now. And there's no question that if you take a look at a story by Wayne Allen Sally, a story called High Moon, it is an homage to the great film High Noon, except this time our sheriff, even though the town is busy questioning him, has to confront a werewolf instead of three bad guys getting off the train. These are American mindsets we've captured in this book in each and every story. We've got stories about red and blue states. We've got stories about the motion picture industry. We've got stories about the drug trade. It's all very American in sensibility and concerns, and I'd say it's very American even in the prose style, because by and large, American prose is directly descended from Mr. Hemingway. And much of the prose here is subject, action, or subject, verb, object, direct, to the point, imagistic. I'm glad you bring that up because that brings me to my next question, Mort. I think people, it sounds, I don't want people to get the idea that stories are just about guts and gore. I think a lot lot of new writers think the more gory it is, the more macabre it is, that it's a better story. But storytellers like yourself use and interweave these things you're talking about for a, a for a bigger story plot. It's not just a matter of who kills who. You know, could you elaborate? Do you see that in today's work? Yes, yes, yes. You're so right. It is not about body count. It is not about a guide to surgery at home. It It is instead a depiction of some dark things that can provide some illuminating moments. And when I when I think of the all guts and gore people, by and large they're the equivalent of the seventh grader who knows you can shock grandma at Thanksgiving by saying a couple bad words. <laughs> Later you get a little older and you get some sense. Oh. And well, uh, that's why yeah. I take a look at the great horror writers that came before and a lot of people don't classify him this way, but I sure consider Ray Bradbury a great American horror writer. And he did it all without saying, oh, uh, let's get out the vivisection kit. I consider Hemingway a great American horror writer. And once again, (laughs) yes, there's violence, and he captures violence, but there's a whole lot more. When I take a look at our contributor list we have Dan Sean here, and Dan Sean was a finalist for the National Book Award. 
he was doing a lot more than just saying, uh, let's see how many zombies you can knock down with a machine gun. Yeah, exactly. Where I was going to go next, it's like it seems that there is a fantasy, a fantasy, a fascination, excuse me, of this, you know, the genre in, in the last couple of years, but it's taken way over to this odd extreme, like you said, between vampires and mummies. And it sounds like you're really trying with this book, All American Horrors of the 21st Century, to pull it back to engage the mind. Totally, totally. There is no story in this book that couldn't have found a home in any literary journal as well. Literary doesn't mean dull, and horror doesn't mean splatterfest. <laughs> gosh, which I do not watch. I can't. It gives me nightmares for, you know, for the next couple weeks after. But what is your thought? Yeah, I mean, and it's everywhere. I mean, it's not just for adults. Children can get, and I don't have a problem with that, but let's, you know, make it something that's teachable. And And I don't know if that's the bottom line of your book, but certainly it's good publication of well-written stories that have won awards. You got any reason or thoughts of why we've gone so askew to this crazy side, Mort? Oh, so hard to say. Uh, I have lately been borrowing a line from my friend and one of the book's contributors. Uh, Paul Wilson is an is a medical doctor who on occasion sits down and writes bestsellers, okay? But Paul says... <laughs> you got good when, Oh, yeah. Paul says when it comes to horror, you're hardwired for it. You like it or you don't. It attracts you or it repels you or it leaves you cold. And I think that's exactly right. I think there are people who are meant to ride roller coasters, and heaven bless them, I'm not one of them. I think (laughs) there are people who are pulled towards horror, and I think it's probably DNA-related. I know for me, my horror fix began in third grade with Mrs. Curlin, our teacher, bringing in an audiovisual device that way back when we used to call a phonograph. (laughs) <laughs> and that phonograph was oh played for gosh. us third graders, Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, followed by The Pit and the Pendulum. And, I mean, you did that today in school, third graders. You'd have lawsuits, and you'd have yeah. 25 years on the couch getting over the horrible trauma. But for me, I was there. I said, man, that scared me. I liked it. And when I knew I liked it, I wanted it. I wanted to do exactly that kind of scaring myself. It's so funny. I'm always saying on air, you know, I talk about follow where your heart goes, even when you're smaller and younger. You can tell if you pay attention to children and what they're drawn to. Now, I don't know if Edgar Allan Poe in, in that kind of genre, which I just love. I don't even think mm-hmm. children would know the name of that nowadays. But I can tell that you've had a love affair with this kind of writing since children, since you were a child. Indeed, I surely have. And I'm going to put money on your being able to go down the table of contents, authors, in All-American Horror, 
and you're going to find every one of them is able to say, oh, yes, I remember the first horror story I read when I was in fourth grade, when I was in seventh grade, and I was hooked. In fact, if you were to talk to Dan Sean, he knew that he was going to write this stuff by the time he was in seventh grade, and he was writing regularly to Ray Bradbury for advice on his stories. <laughs> and getting it, by the stories. way. And he, well, well, and he... He kept, Ray wrote back to him on a regular basis until Dan started college. Did he really? Yes. Yes, there is a horror community. There is a fantastic literature community, and everybody in it knows the secret handshake, and they all get along (laughs) surprisingly well. I want to know that handshake. I want to learn that. I have to ask Eric. Eric Miller, by the way, Wick Park Press, is the person we're talking about. I'm going to ask Eric if he's in the club. And how come I'm not in the club yet? The question well, I have for you. Oh, go ahead. Eric Sorry. will say, knock three times and whisper low, and then you'll get the password. <laughs> that sounds like our friend Eric for sure. But, for sure. You, know, you know, Christmas is coming up, and I know it sounds rather odd. But is this a, a good book for young people to read and expose them to a different kind of genre, you know, well-written stories in the horror genre? Is it a book that they could read? What's the age range we're talking about here? I would say that this book is ideal for high school and up. I would say it could be pretty good as well for junior high, uh, with a caveat of, hey, there is some language here. Hey, yeah. maybe you better talk this over with your folks. But certainly, <laughs> I'll tell you this, nobody ever went to jail because of reading books. Right. Nobody nobody ever murdered anybody because they read too much Dostoevsky. Right. And so... When a kid can read and shows interest in reading and grabs up a book, terrific. Think about the books you read when you were eight years old. You didn't understand all of them necessarily, but you said, oh, yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah, that was boring. And so you're already, you've already developed some degree of taste. Surely half of these stories could appear in any book for any general audience, uh, but there are others that are, yeah, they're rough. They handle some tough stuff with tough language. Well, you know, um, I don't want to bring this up, but, you know, Harry Potter, that whole genre that started years and years and years ago, Mm -hmm. I was a little unsure about that book myself, and I started reading together with my son and then was able to, you know, kind of dissect. It sounds like this is the kind of book that parents, and, you know, adult kids or middle school kids, you're always trying to find something to keep them engaged with you, would be a good book for that, more. It could easily be. It could easily be a real family book. Let's talk about this story. What did it mean? What did it yeah. say? Why did it say it? I and mean, yet, and... Go ahead. Any book, that's, any book that says, uh, let's read and talk, is a worthwhile book. And certainly this is not to knock the simpler things. I think R.L. Stein's Goosebumps series did a great thing for so many kids, serving as the gateway book to real literature. Right. And for sure, Harry Potter is real literature. And 
all of a sudden, a whole bunch of kids who said, I've never read a book in my life, they were waiting in line to get first editions. You bet. And I can see how this book could bridge that gap of, you know, teaching your kids true stories written in a very prolific way as a, a next step on teaching them, like you said, good literature. I like the book. I'm excited to read it. How can we get that book, you know, and where is it available? It will soon be available. We're hoping everywhere, but it is definitely available at the Wicker Park website. It is definitely available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any online dealers. We'll be doing a reading of selected pieces from it next Tuesday at City Lit Bookstore in Logan Square, 7.30 in the evening. John Everson will be there, Jeff Jacobson, Sam Weller. I'll be there with maybe even bells on. What the heck? Sure, I'll be there with bells on. <laughs> And my good friend, Jay Bonensinger, who is currently on the New York Times bestseller list for his Walking Dead novels, uh, he'll be there reading his story. So it should be a grand evening. City Lit is very, very welcoming to both readers and writers. Good place, Logan Square, 730, November 5. How did you get every one of those authors in one place at one time is beyond me. Uh, I got on the phone and said, be there or be square. And they said, oh, wow, Daddy, oh, I dig it the most. Talking a 1950s hip American. <laughs> you know, I bet your students love you at Columbia. What do you teach them? You, I don't know if they do, but I know I love them. Yeah, kind of like me and my radio show and, and the television. I'm having a ball. I don't know if you're having a ball, but I'm having a ball <laughs> doing my thing. And the rest of you just have to sit and watch. So, I, you know, and your website. I went to your website. I loved it, too, because there's a little bit of humor there. And it sounds like you don't take yourself too seriously. But you oh, are heaven, trying Life to is get... so important, you, you uh, can't take it seriously. <laughs> isn't it true? I mean, it is. And I don't see a lot of ego there. I just see that you have this natural calling into what you're doing. And it's so successful. And it's teaching so many people in the world. Give us that website. I, you got you go over there. It's very simple, but it's straight to the point. What is it? Let's see. Website. <laughs> it's www. That part I remember. Free yes. servers. Free servers slash Mortcastle. That's it. Although That's all you need is two two seconds with Google. I realize I'm all over the place. There's more uh, information on me there than, than I want to know. So <laughs> I know. That's what happens to me. I, I don't even do it anymore because I just don't want to see all that's coming up. It's not all, you know, it's not that bad. It's just like, you know, back in the day you used to hide your age sure. and where you, you know, not anymore. The name of the book is All American Horror of the 21st Century, First Decade. 2000 to 2010. The question I have for you, Mort, is there more to come, or are we done with this series? I'm hoping that the second decade follows. I'm yes. hoping that the third decade follows. I don't know who will be passing the editorship off to by then, but <laughs> I really see this as an ongoing series, an ongoing documentation of a very specific 
form of literature. Uh, I can't even call it a subgenre because it's, it's too important, and that is the American horror story. And yeah. I hope it goes on forever. And certainly, if I can keep working with wonderful publisher like Eric Miller at Wicker Park, you yeah. bet I want it to go on forever. That yeah. man's a joy. Isn't he? I agree. I just love my time with him. You don't get to spend a lot of time with Mort because he keeps moving. He's the kind That's of guy true. that just keeps moving and do you know. But his projects are just unbelievable. Well, he's been in the industry forever too. I mean, he is in publishing. That's what he does. That's what his calling is. So yes, again, indeed. I know. I just love him. Well, I hope that we cross paths. Maybe I'll make the November 5th gig. Tell us one more time, and then we're just about out of time. November 5, at 7.30 of the evening, City Lit Books in Logan Square. Come early, stay late, bring shoes in case we dance. <laughs> and you'll have copies for sale there, correct? You bet. Just in time you bet. for copies Christmas. For sale. Just in time for Christmas, or any other holiday, or for that matter, uh, Junior needs uh, something to replace his video game. That's right. I like that the best. Well, okay. thank you so much, Mort Castle, the editor of All American Horror of the 21st Century, First Decade, 2000-2010. Look on his website for that special date that's coming up in November 5th and for a perfect gift anytime year-round when you need something a little bit different and spooky. Thanks again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.